0: So click to begin the live broadcast, okay? So we're not on yet, but if I do that, um, here we go. All right, three, two, one. Hello. Hello, and welcome to Sitcom Geeks <laughs> on Facebook Live. We think. We think. We have no idea whether this is working or not. No. We are recording it anyway, and it will become a, um, it'll become a podcast. So no material will be wasted. All right. Well, we should we should start with a question
1: anyway on the on the basis
0: that you're all
1: out there in absolutely your, in your thousands. Yeah, let us assume um, that's all going well. There. Well, actually, uh,
0: the thing we were first going to talk about is the fact that the BBC have announced twelve new pilots.
1: Absolutely, yes.
0: And um, th- is it three on BBC One, three on BBC Two, and three on BBC Three, basically, Ooh, or, well, that four, would be, or? Uh, four? That's nine. Four each, I think. Oh, four yeah, on each.
1: Yeah. I can't remember exactly which is which, but I know that they've got a um, Tim Vine has got a. One on BBC One, as has, I think, Tom Hardy's got an animation. Right. Um, which, uh, to which some people might say, oh, Tom Hardy, Tim Vine, oh, good to see lots of new people getting... Uh. Yeah. Stuff. but actually, I think um, it's great that um, Tim Vine is, is 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 getting another chance uh, to do a pilot, and because it's you can't always tell with pilots if a show is going to work or not. Tim is a fantastic performer, deserves huge success. Mm. Um, Nick Hancock had something like um, twenty one pilots, I think, before uh, they think it's all over. Great um, we, combination yeah. of you know, sitcoms, sketch shows, panel shows, yeah. and things. So if uh, the the BBC if they like you and they persist with you that's great.
0: Yes, it's, boy. It's been a long time in coming. I only, my only I mean I people often say oh what do you think this you know how did, do these shows look any good and people often ask me uh, my opinion. Um, is I didn't really have terribly strong feelings one way or the other other than it's about time the BBC actually made some pilots. I think only two of them are audience sitcoms, which is obviously mm-hmm. disappointing. Two out of, out of 12. One in six. The only thing that disappointed me about it, um, other than the fact that one of them isn't mine, obviously, which was an (laughs) immense disappointment to me... Well, I think that goes without saying. um, ..is that it was... There was nothing on the list that seemed to be adventurous. Mm. As in, they all seemed like perfectly decent setups for a situation comedy, in a way, about two long-lost sisters who didn't know the other one existed. Here you go. Um people who decided that if they didn't marry by a certain age they'd get married right there you go Um, perfectly good situation I'm not having a go at those but wouldn't it have been great to have had one situation comedy um, set in the year 2963 and another one set on a Spanish galleon. Well, that's what I quite... I
1: was was reading the the, uh, plot for Tim Vine's sitcom, and it just sounded like, oh, he meets a a guest, and it's, oh, Tim Vine meeting a guest in the studio, Thing, oh, right, okay, fine. And then suddenly he goes in a time machine back to the time of Robin Hood, and the guest is playing Robin Hood.
0: (laughs) uh, Well, every week, he (laughs) wonders.
1: Every week he he goes back in time Mm. somewhere, and has to change... History a little bit, and so that's a kind of. I thought, yeah, okay, that sounds like, and and you can just you just know that Tim doing Robin Hood is just going to be punning his way through with the sheriff of Nottingham, and I I, I thought, yeah, I I I think that's a, that, that's a little bit adventurous. Oh no,
0: sure, yeah, but beyond that, I thought I was a bit disappointed that there could have been something um, a bit more either high concept um, or something more. It all seemed quite grown up as well, and I think that, that, again, that's fine, but it didn't strike me that there was anything that I could sit down and watch with my kids, apart Mm -hmm. from Tim Vine's show, obviously. Right. Um, But that's, you know, but that was my initial reaction, and, you know, there's no reason why at least three of those shows shouldn't go on to become extremely popular and a classic and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, we've got, we've got a, a sense there that some we are being watched.
1: We are being watched. We are being watched. Are being watched. You can see us out yes, there. Yes, by in at least millions.
0: four people. Right. Hello. Hello there. All four of you are watching, but obviously thousands of you are listening. A lot of our people, a lot of our uh, listeners listen on SoundCloud. Right. Apparently, according yep. to our metrics, that was that was new to me. Mm. Um,
1: I don't listen to anything on SoundCloud. Do you? Uh, well, if I pick something up on the internet and it happens to be SoundCloud, then that's that's where I hear it from. But, but do you
0: not have to sit next to your computer and listen to it? Mm,
1: not necessarily. I can get it on the phone and okay. put the headphones in. Walking around, I'm mm. I've, I've doing a lot of uh, ironing and podcasting at the moment. Ah. Podcast listening, actually, uh, There's a bit bit of multitasking going on in the Cohen household at oh, the moment. Absolutely, very good. Um, so, um, yes. What um? What so, do you use?
0: Um, I just if it's not podcast on iTunes, it's not happening. So it's a right. real faff if, if I have to go and dig it out and get it onto my phone yeah. some other way. I just yeah. listen to everything uh, on my lovely iPhone five uh, C. Right. Um, okay. Well, I don't is... have
1: an iPhone, so I don't have I don't have Apple products. Oh. Um, you won't no. have them in the house. No. Well, I will actually. My wife's got all of them. Well, there I have lots of apples, but, <laughs> but not the actual things. Yeah. So uh, that's all lost on me, all yeah. the iTunes great. business.
0: We're now up to six viewers. So oh, wow. If you're fantastic. watching, us, give us a like <laughs> to show.
1: Yes. Um, that's great. We've had a
0: thumbs up from John Baker, and yeah. I think we actually had we have a question, a question from John as well. Which, let's go to that first, since you've been kind enough right. to, uh, to watch this. I feel like um, uh, I feel like Les Dawson on, um, on Blankety Blank, when he used to refu- refer to their viewer. Right, and uh, it was always an old lady who lived in Cheltenham. Right. He always he oh. behaved as if that show literally had only one viewer. Yeah,
1: um, well,
0: I, I feel a bit like a, a
1: show. Oh, we're up to eight now, by the way. Wow, uh, a show that we did in uh, nineteen ninety called Up Your News, which was on uh, British on. Uh, BSB, British Sky... Uh, British Satellite Broadcasting before Sky took it over. Yeah. Uh, than The short-lived Squarial. Ah, oh, um, yes. And uh, I'm sure that there were... And they had the most amazing cast. They have people like like Tonight's uh, host is Graham Garden. Tomorrow night's host is John Cleese. And, and, and then some big, West, big actor in the West End who'd be in London. They'd come and do it one time. Um, and uh, I'm sure we only ever had about three viewers the
0: whole time. So, OK... So here's the question from John uh, is, do you think writers tend to write the same sitcom over and over again? I don't mean literally, but thematically and character-wise. Well, we we have just been recording a podcast Mm. that you will be hearing in the future with Jason Hazley. Partly about, he said Mm. he noticed that Jason and Joel, that they tend to write an awful lot about television and food. Um, But also we talked about ever-decreasing circles. Uh, and especially Esmond and Larby the writing partnership who seemed to have kind of at least common approaches to comedy but actually they had quite a wide variety of sitcoms they did they?
1: a very wide variety of sitcoms but actually if you thinking about it now having just spent uh, half an hour, 40 minutes with Jason talking about the many works of uh, Esmond and Larby and we're talking about shows like uh, Please Sir from the 1960s which was a, a sitcom set uh, in a school of dun-dun, course dun-dun, it's, it, dun-dun, that's dun-dun. The one. it's basically dun-dun, the, dun-dun, the dun-dun, film dun-dun, To Sir With Love be- yeah. becoming a sitcom um, with John uh, Alderton playing Sidney Poitier but that's a, a, a separate uh, issue um, <laughs> but I think uh, the John Alderton character. Is very much uh, a kind of Richard Bryersey type of person, I mm. think, and then, of course they went on to do the good life and ever decreasing circles. Um, so, in a sense, I'd say the characters that Esmond and Larby do often there's that they are uh there's a way in which these characters don't fit in there's something that's a little bit english and kind of muddling through i suppose Mm. about a lot of their their characters uh but i think the shows themselves are very different so you've got one set in school you've got brush strokes you've got the good life which is a which is a pretty much you know is a high concept sitcom idea and um i think I think really they they, they, there's a lot of difference. But then you're talking about sort of two writers writing together. Then maybe Mm. you take somebody like Larry David, who is basically writing his life. Mm. Um, And first of all, his life is being the sort of miserable friend of Jerry Seinfeld. Mm. And then he becomes hugely hugely successful and incredibly rich. And so then he writes about a hugely hugely successful, incredibly rich comedy writer. And called Larry David. Interesting. But I wonder
0: if um, the difference, though, is the fact that uh, I'm thinking of uh, Ricky Gervais, there is definitely a through line between The Office and Extras Mm -hmm. and Life's Too Short, for example. And I wonder if this is the, as it were, legacy of writer performer led shows, is that they are going to have a much greater overlap Mm -hmm. um, and a much more similar theme because because it's writer-performer and there is that kind of overlap of performance and that kind of thing, um, whereas the Esmonds and Larbies of this world can give you uh, complete... They can do a show, get some in, about conscription and the yeah. and the RAF, All right. and they can do please, sir, and they can do Ever-Decreasing Circles, mm-hmm. and they sort of... I wonder if writers have more range, whereas comedy writer-performers, because of the performance element, there's a limit to the number of personas that they can operate. So you can't quite... Go you know, obviously great comedy actors like um, uh, uh, Porridge, um, Ronnie Barker. Mm-hmm. He can play Fletcher and Arkwright. Yeah, and, you know Leonard Rossiter can play um, uh, Reggie Perrin and Rigsby. Yeah, but they're kind of very rare. But they're also they're actors; they're not writers. But then, if you look at say, uh, if you look at Clement
1: Lafrene then mm-hmm. and you start with um, the Likely Lads. Whatever happened to the likely lads porridge and alvedazo pet to choose their sort of their probably their four most famous shows mm. uh, and I'm sure there's more that I can't think of at this point I guess there is something about I mean certainly with porridge and alvedazo Pet, they're kind of the, um, the, the, the the bunch of blokes in an enclosed setting mm. um, ha, is is the, the the, the themes are pretty yeah. similar there yeah. um uh, and again uh, Steptoe um goldman simpson mm. uh, hancock basically just carried on and carried on until um goldman simpson fell out with hancock and they just took the character uh, and um, turned him into Harold Steptoe, yeah, and, and that's but, which is what they say, you know. They and they turned Sid <laughs> James into when when Hancock said, "I don't want to work with Sid James anymore." So, um, so the Sid James character became um, uh, Harold's dad. So yes, in very, pretty much there. But then I think I think it's fair to say Steptoe is an incredibly different yeah. sitcom. To uh, Hancock it, because the father son relationship is such a powerful aspect mm. of that compared to Hancock being about the individual yeah. um, and you know he's he's kind of railing against the world in some way but uh, Harold has is is using his dad really mm. I suppose to rail his dad is his crutch that he uses to rail against the world
0: yeah so John Baker that is a very long and detailed answer um, to a very simple and short question. Um, which uh, which I could read out again just to remind us but I think we're going to move on. Um, Paul Lamb has been kind enough to ask us a question as well. Mm. He's asking, what do you do when you feel your dialogue just isn't flowing between characters apart from giving up, moving to Alaska and t- crying into your soup? Nice dialogue. Very nice dialogue. Yeah. Um, uh, I had this last week actually. I even tweeted, um, I'm now on page 13 of a script I'm writing and I think I've only just it's only just got funny. Right. Um, so, in a way, I think sometimes you have very high expectations of your first draft if you're not careful. Mm. And to it could be that your character's are no good, obviously. That, you know, that's, that's a possibility. Um, but if you're fairly sure the characters should be talking together, or you've written scenes where they do actually talk together, and this time it's not really flowing... I think there's a lot to be said for just gritting your teeth and getting to the end and then coming back to it um, when you feel slightly funnier. Or when there's a development later on in the show that you now know you need to sort of sew in earlier and you can therefore start to, um, that then affects the conversation and just gives you enough just to start to reframe that conversation and suddenly it all starts to work. I think also,
1: maybe if you're really struggling there and you've just got these two characters, maybe take them out of that scene and put them somewhere different and give them something, make uh, make sure they've got a, a goal, somebody has a goal. I mean, that's the thing. Uh, time and again, I find, when uh, dialogue's not working or scenes aren't working, it's always down to the fact that you haven't done quite enough uh preparation beforehand you need to know that at the beginning of this scene x uh needs this thing and they're either going to get it or y is going to stand in their way and stop them from getting it you need to end the scene uh with a joke obviously but you also need to end the scene knowing that um what that person wanted at the beginning of the scene the scene is the same as the sitcom i want something i want to get it I'm not going to get it, which is what <laughs> is happens with every character in every <laughs> sitcom. Yeah. But it happens in every scene as yeah. well, and so you be sure that that's the thing that's working. And yeah. if if that's not working, then yes, you've probably got a couple of people sitting in a room having a perfectly funny conversation. Which, as we've said before, we get sent quite a few of those scripts. Yeah. And I'm sorry, we haven't been reading more of them and doing more. <laughs> if, ten minutes. You feel worse about this than I do. Actually, you continually <laughs> just bring it up the, again. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs>
0: Um, Yeah, the other thing, there are other sort of tricks you can sort of do, which is if you're, you know, maybe uh, a dialogue between characters, you need to slightly make it more of an argument, or maybe you need to make it less of an argument, and they're trying to actually do something together, and, um, you know, maybe they're metaphorically trying to do something which demonstrates that they're actually approaching this thing in different ways. Um, there are sort of ways of just sort of shaking it a little mm. bit just to see if it if it works in a different way. The great uh, improv rule, of course, if you do it improv at all and um, that
1: your instinct is somebody gets up and says, hey, look, here I am uh, on the top of Mount Everest. And then your instinct is go, no, you're not. Uh, because that's f- funny to uh, to to cancel that, but actually the, the the improviser, what you have to say is, uh, yeah, here I am at the, at the top of Mount Everest. Yes, not only that, but look, there's a McDonald's there, yeah. and so it's a yes and is the yeah. important thing. So yeah. maybe if if uh, as as James says, rather than uh, they're against each other, you you make uh, ju- just when the dialogue's not coming just write yes and yeah and you will find that something will come there yeah yeah no or well. not.
0: so there are all these different sort of little plans that we that we try to try to do to make us um make us do do better my uh, writing partner is trying to phone me as uh, as we do this maybe he's trying oh. to warn me that it's not working that we are committing career suicide by doing this but it would be rude for me to answer the phone It would be uh, call ended as well Um, We have another question here from in fact we we had Johnny Addy gave us Mm. lots of questions he gave us five questions in no particular order Um, he says uh, do you go through set stages when developing a new sitcom for example Character development, setting, potential situations, plotting, an app, scripting, rewriting, and then drinking. Mm. Um, I think some would argue that drinking he got goes the reverse between... way around. <laughs> yeah, there, drinking, yeah. or that drinking yeah. goes yeah. between each of the steps, yeah. and mm. sometimes during. Yeah. Um, I think everyone does things slightly differently, mm-hmm. um, and I think the thing that we've been talking to Jason Hazley about is um, that you will hear in a future episode is that you need to sort of work out what sort of writer you are. Um, I, uh, I tend to be a, I tend to I tend to think of situations first actually rather than characters but it doesn't really matter where you start um, but soon I want to turn that into dialogue fairly soon to actually see if I can make the characters come alive in some way and then I think of episodes right. ideas and plots yeah. mm-hmm. and then you sort of work out I'm sort of trying to do it all at the same time, but sort of, you know, whereas others, you know, you have a slightly different approach, um, I, well, it, I th- Yes,
1: I suppose I'm uh, I, I'm kind of looking at the world and thinking, oh, what's, what's, uh, what's happening in the world and what's not being said about something and how can I say, say a thing that's not going to be said by somebody in the next two to three years, which is how long it'll take for this idea to uh, get all the way to being rejected um, <laughs> uh, on, on that particular journey. But uh, yes, as, as James says, it's like all the different... There are so many things that are going on. Uh, I, try, I, I try and separate them out, but even as I'm separating them out, I'm aware that uh, things may come in there. So the first thing that I want to know is what, what what's it about the situation mm. but then what's what's it actually really about and those two things happen together and so for instance I think I wrote a blog about this fairly recently you can say well um, you can talk about characters Uh, Like for instance, um, the character saying there's two sides to each character. So somebody like um, Theresa May, for instance, Mm -hmm. who three months ago was a strong, stable character, and Mm. uh, now you know now the flip side of that is she's weak and wobbly. So every day she goes to work saying I'm strong, I am stable. Looks in the mirror, mirror falls down and crashes. So um, that's uh, that. That's um, a sitcom about. Theresa May but then actually well maybe it's about somebody who thinks they are in charge and they mm. are in charge but actually nobody else around them thinks they're in charge so that's um, that, That's actually uh, it doesn't have to be about Theresa May at all it can mm. just be about, it takes that thing, somebody who is weak uh, but is in charge but they think they're strong mm.
0: Yeah I mean it, it takes ages to to even know what the show is about and so there is no... Uh, so, but I, I would say that that state, that that's process... Um, I mean, I talk about it more in my book, Writing That Sitcom, where I just sort of take you through having an idea to a pilot episode. Um, that's how I would do it. It's not the way you should do it necessarily, but it's as good a way as any. So I would think about um, think about that. We're going to keep it moving. Um, he His next question is, on average, how long does it take to write an episode of an existing series? Um from that, uh, so for example, last year I co-wrote two episodes of Citizen Khan, so that's an existing series. It's hard to say how long it took me because I think I started work in April, and I think we recorded it in October. Um, how much work I did in total on that script uh, with Adil Ray, who is Mr. Khan, um, would be quite hard to measure. Yeah. It would probably, if you if you did eight hours a day. five days a week it would probably work out at about uh five weeks Mm -hmm. between three and five weeks I also had to be there for the week of recording um which was quite a lot of sitting around but also Mm -hmm. you know lots of last minute rewrites and changes and that sort of thing um so for tv you're looking at you know between three weeks and 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 eight weeks depending on how you're how involved you are what you have to do how much filming there is whether you're shooting on location or not um for 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 radio um i also wrote a couple of episodes of elven quest also for, mm-hmm. for uh anil gupta who was the producer of Khan also did elven quest which is how i ended up doing Khan um i think i wrote episodes of that in uh 2 weeks 3 weeks right mm-hmm. uh you know so the the characters are very clear once you have got the right idea you just write it and you know rewrite it i'm fairly quick uh, i think um in terms of writing scripts um, but I tend to spend longer sort of filling around and developing them. But I think once it comes to writing a first draft, mm. I'm fairly quick, but I don't really have much to compare yeah. it to.
1: I mean, if you, if you took a sort of four-week period, say, of uh, writing a scene-by-scene breakdown and, and, and uh, everything that's going to go into each scene, and then the actual uh, script itself... I would I'd say that nearly half the time I would spend there actually doing the original document and, and so by the time it comes to writing the script you've got a lot of you know yeah. a lot of what's happening you know you've already written some of the jokes mm. um, so um, but that, that, that's for me is the really hard bit is to actually work out the, the join the, yeah. the fun way say oh well this has to happen in this to, be, to, to write in an unfunny way mm. this has to happen now this character has to get from there to there how do I find the yeah. place that that happens
0: yeah um, hope that's helpful your third question is when meeting with a producer for the first time what should you ask uh, not the development of a new project just yeah. an episode um, not the development of it oh I see okay. so we asked we talked no about no that. I'm looking yeah. at the wrong sub thing uh, yeah. I know you talked about this in episode 51 but I'm thinking do you have a top five questions yeah. mm. so we talked yeah so if you want to go back and listen to episode 51 when we talked uh, to Tom Edge about this sort of yeah. thing um, I find it sort of depends on
1: the producer and sometimes if you're meeting a producer who you know, who, who you've worked with before, um, you kind of want to get to the, the, the nub of you, 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 you want to know what they are thinking about whatever your, uh, your project is, Presuming you've, you've sent them something, um, then they say, well, actually, it will be better like this. Now, they're the producer, and they like you, and they know you, and they, they, they want to work with you. And so when they say that, your first instinct is to say, hmm, yes, okay. So you have to then... Uh, I, I think then you're doing a little bit of a sort of merry dance, really. But I think mm. when you're meeting a new producer, it is, you know, it's a kind of a first date it almost, is its a bit, it, yeah, really? yeah.
0: And, and bear in mind that you might spend a lot of time with this person So um, it is worth thinking about it as much as a date as anything else, Mm -hmm. because if you can't stand them or if they just, or, or you like them, but they clearly have no interest in the same sort of comedy as you, then you really are setting yourself up for possibly years of misery and pain.
1: I actually, in fact, I, I was hooked up with a producer a couple, about two or three weeks ago, just through a, a, a mutual friend, someone who who uh, is not involved in comedy but knew me, and they said, oh, we're looking for comedy writers. I said, oh, so I, I was given this person's name, and uh, they uh, this, the, the project, um, you always think, oh, great, project, that sounds great, but there was just something about it that I just thought... There's no way that I am the right person to write this. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm just totally the wrong person. And, and having arranged to meet I just sort of wrote back to him and said, "Look, I don't think I'm the right person. Here's some names of people who might do it. If you get to a script point and you need script editor, then I'm probably your man." And uh, he was sort of very grateful for that. So, mm-hmm. so you kind of, if you if it's not working, don't don't try. You know, don't be
0: needy. I think. Yeah. Um, yes that's good um, we are getting some questions live Ooh, it's yes. very exciting um, mm. Steve Agro has said so
1: that's what you look like yes that's yes. right I know. It's I know. It's to and if you're wondering well, where
0: actually. we are we are at David Heim Associates and despite being on the 7th floor it's surprisingly noisy outside mm. um, they are building an, a building directly opposite us uh, at eye level I'm looking at 5 people in uh, hard hats 6 people in hard hats
1: trying to get out of the rain. This might as well be the podcast, then, if we're describing
0: it. Great, great, yes. yes. great
1: visuals here. Meantime, yeah, yeah. you're I just seeing... I could turn the laptop round, yeah. but there's nothing yeah. good yeah. will come of that. You're just seeing a lot um, of books in there. It looks like we're in the local library, really, doesn't it? Um,
0: Adam Wareham said, ah, I thought this started at five o'clock. No, it's four o'clock. Oh. It's never been five o'clock. That's all in your head. Mm. But you also asked, do you think pathos can be done in more zany sitcoms? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking Graham Linehan-style uh, IT crowd, Father Ted. It's been a while since I've seen those and can't recall any pathos. I don't know whether that's mm. true. I think Father Ted has got some actual pathos I in it. I think so, yeah. Because Father Ted really wants to get off the island yeah. and he really does try hard. And when it goes wrong, your heart really does go out to him. Enough, and I think, yeah. and I, think if it, I think if any sitcom is just a bunch of jokes, it just isn't going to be enough. Mm. So I think there's a lot more pathos there maybe, than, than you realise. It might be worth going back and having a look with your pathos detector on. Mm. I think um, there's... Uh, and and uh, the mighty
1: Boosh, surprisingly, and I think because at, at its heart, however mad and crazy it gets, at its heart is a fundamental relationship to two guys who, uh, who who like each other. Mm. And there's something about... This, that relationship and the world that they are then in there's something that uh, just a, there's a kind of, sort of layer of melancholy mm. I think under uh, in The Mighty Boost that isn't that sometimes is there with Vic mm-hmm. and Bob at their best but isn't always uh, there with them I think but um, but I think something like the Vic and Bob's Big Night Out ha- had almost a sort of element of pathos in their mm. in their, their relationship. So yes, I think the, I think zany shows can have that.
0: Yeah. I, I, I think in one sense, it's, pathos is to some extent a, a function of uh, jeopardy. Mm. As in, if there's no if there's no jeopardy and there's no the word agency has been coming up quite a so lot. Right. If the characters don't really seem to have any real choice, and if they're not going to suffer as a result of their choices. Um, then you sort of there's probably not emotion, there's not enough emotional baggage there to, mm. to make it work and likewise if they're not really invested in their, in their goal and the thing that they want most out of life or, um, and, they, and each week they're not going to get it Mm-hmm. I think we need to feel sad for them.
1: Yeah, in um, fact, and the next someone has just written, in fact, as you said that, John Paul Lusk says, so if you won't cry with the character, then you won't laugh with them. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think there's a... Yeah. I, I do find that, you know, I watch a lot of Modern Family now, and uh, <laughs> I've become a little bit obsessed, I was saying to James the other day, mm-hmm. with the, the, the pathos um, that that is in um, modern family, mm. it's not the first thing you notice, but there's always just a sort of little moment of uh, this is something where ah, this is something that I didn't really know about you, even though I've been married mm. to you, or you know you're my brother or sister, mm. or whatever, and 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 they are they're like sort of real. Truth moments like mm. we have with our own families, and you do get, you know, it's, I, I, well, I, maybe I'm just a little bit emotional, maybe I'm overtired or something, <laughs> but I do get a Unless little sleep. kind of no,
0: no, no, nothing in my eye at all. Yeah,
1: it's <laughs> just, uh, um, so, yeah. so yes, yeah, so I would I agree, John. Because, yeah,
0: um, Michael Wheeler asks, How much do you think filming a sitcom script helps in trying to get it out there? Is it better to film an entire episode, or would a few scenes be enough to back up the script? And convey the tone, style you are going for. <laughs> wow! Uh, no, is the answer to that, uh, or not a lot? I think uh, we filming. are. We are slightly. Di- we are slightly divided on this, and have mm. possibly even changed our opinions, or maybe even swapped opinions. Mm. Um, oh, do you think you should film? Well, I think that there. Are, it has never been easier to make something yourself. Yeah, true. The reason I suggest that people don't make. Um, don't make a YouTube video, basically, of their script. It just won't be very good. Not because you don't have a good idea or you can't write, but because the production values will be low and you are competing with iPlayer Mm -hmm. and lots of professional content that's now on YouTube. And I don't think it will do justice to your script. Um, And given that there is a desire out there for scripts rather than more YouTube content, I don't know whether that would be the best way. However, if you're a writer-performer mm. and you are trying to put a persona out there, uh, then that's probably probably as good a way to go as any, I would mm-hmm. say. I think podcasting is also probably
1: yeah. a better option. If you've got a great visual sense, if you think in terms of visual gangs, mm. um, then I, I would concentrate on working on visual gags, mm. making them really, really work and, and, and just, just have them as little one-off things, yeah. I think, rather than maybe necessarily thinking to, to yeah. do a whole sitcom. I mean, you know, the greatest... Uh, huge amounts of money are spent on but the greatest writers and performers and uh, camera crew and everything to make sitcom. Yeah. And they're still... Eighty percent of them are rubbish. Yeah, you know, I'm not not saying your idea is rubbish, but it's just that even if it's
0: good, it probably will look rubbish because you know
1: there's so many things that can go wrong from uh, the the point at which you write a script to the point at which. It, you press mm. broadcast or whatever yeah. uh and um you know that that each each thing gets magnified a lot of times podcasts are a lot easier you basically just need a, a microphone and a de- i mean you can do all everything online you can do uh, with your laptop you know editing and One of these. i mean there's some fantastic i've been listening to just some Brilliant, hilarious uh, podcasts and uh, mm. and great newsy ones as well and the beef and dairy yeah. network yes has, oh, has, is now
0: a radio four show,
1: yeah, um, it started off as a podcast, yeah, podcasting is definitely a very lively place, but uh, actually. Uh, it's it maybe I mean there there is a page on uh, on comedy.co.uk where our uh, podcasts are based. There is a there is a whole section online, and it, I think it's probably worth looking at that. They have like web series, mm. they have two minute sketches. Um, I think you'll find if you watch some of the longer narratives, though they are, they they. however good they look as well there is a dip in there somehow Mm. and there is just a feeling as well that you're watching something that let's be frank looks a little bit like what we are doing now well actually quite
0: often it looks fine it's usually the sound that's pretty hopeless Mm. I mean as you can hear I'm now competing with a drill in the background sound is very hard to fix uh, when it's not right and no matter where you are in the world if you're recording the most expensive movie in the world if there's a plane overhead you stop because mm. we can't do anything about plane noises they, mm. maybe they can on blockbuster movies now but you know we had to stop continually stop filming Bluestone 4 because there was a plane going overhead yep. so we've got to stop get rid of it um, and often the sound sounds very distant or not very good and that's, that's always the hard thing to get right mm. However, you may end up doing it and meeting some good people and it may lead to future projects. You may learn a lot about the process. Mm. You may discover that you're not a writer at all, but you're a director and that's what you've been wanting to do yeah. all along. You just mm-hmm. didn't realise it yet. It may be you've worked out that you're an editor and that you actually enjoy editing the process more. Mm. So in a sense, I'm, you know, carry, do whatever you feel like doing, um, but it, it's not quite... Um, bear in mind that if you are doing something... Uh, that isn't writing, then, you know, your writing is not improving or you're not getting your script out there or you're trying to... um... Talking of getting scripts out there, uh, we did have some questions about about getting noticed. Uh, So uh, Rob Smith as well asked a question alongside uh, Johnny Addy saying um, a few ways to get noticed, entering competitions... Uh, submitting to open-door productions, approaching, approaching producers that you like, being a successful performer, knowing a successful performer, getting mistaken for a successful yes, performer. That's very good idea. Um, So those are all um, ways of getting noticed. Uh, Mr. Corley uh, asked, is it worth the effort submitting to the BBC Writers' Room? Um, yes. Or is it more constructive to focus on finding a producer or agent speaking as someone who is annually rejected by the BBC Writers' right. Room? Right, okay. The BBC Writers' Room is always worth doing when it's open and taking comedy scripts yeah. for a particular length of time. And they do, and uh, they don't always say when they are. I mean, I've mean, i I've tried <laughs> to find out um, when... There was a window recently yeah. for a month mm-hmm. earlier this year because I wrote some blogs yeah. about and then why your script isn't mm, good enough yet but but you only find instance. out
1: about it two months beforehand they won't they you, you try and contact them now and they say oh we haven't got anything yes. at the moment yes so you kind of just have to keep your eye out for that yes and that of course everybody is is sending stuff there as well but you do know that you, you write something uh it will get seen and if it's brilliant um mm. which sometimes it is and you know it's quite rare and it's quite rare for anyone to write a brilliant script Mm. even James and I I would say between us not that many brilliant scripts, no. you know? but you know, somebody who's somebody out there will write a brilliant script, yeah. and then someone else will go, Right, I like this writer. Um, that's the thing if you've written a brilliant script, you sort of know, I mean, you kind of know in your heart, don't yeah. you? When your script is not quite, mm. or the idea is not quite there yet, yeah. somehow, yeah. Um, not that that's very helpful, I'm afraid. Um, but yes, I, I would say that writer's room is the best way, and uh, it is hard, m- fewer production companies now are saying we will take uh unsolicited
0: material um having said that I would ignore that and send it anyway yeah. or I would especially if, if there's a producer as I say producers who make stuff that you like are as good a place to start as yeah. any but as you will again I'm going to refer to the interview we just did with Jason Hazley, um his sort of uh way into this into this industry um was completely bizarre Mm. And um, he had sketches on the Russ Abbott show when he was practically a teenager, um, and then he oh. they and then he couldn't get stuff on other things, and then he stopped being a comedy writer, became a musician for a while. Yeah. Um,
1: so, Lee Evans is always an g- interesting uh, character. There, Lee Evans was uh, about sixteen or seventeen when he started out. He had the most phenomenal. Uh, act, five minutes, ten minutes act, hmm. which was hilarious and brilliant and was as funny as anything that he's ever done before or since uh, he, he made it into a 20 minute act um, he stretched it over 20 minutes and he couldn't do anything more with it, he was what, 19 years old so he stopped he just stopped for about two years and he went. Uh, he, he, he did loads of telly in that time was hugely successful and then nothing happened and so he just basically stopped he went back and he started to play all the small gigs and no one, uh, you know, ignore all the telly stuff and so gradually having been phenomenally brilliant uh, he then went back and mm. spent two and a half years just playing gigs three or four nights a week yeah. and actually learning everything else on top of it yeah. so, so yes, a
0: rejection at this point is not necessarily a, a, a bad thing. Yes, which is very easy to say from people who make a living writing comedy, <laughs> I, I'm aware. Sorry, um, sorry, sorry about, about that. that. Um, <laughs> Rob Smith also says, could you discuss more on how to get a, to production companies to notice you and the whole deal about having an agent and how to get one? Production companies have the whole un- no-one solicited material clause in their website and won't even look at something unless it comes from an agent. I um, mm-hmm. just feel like there's huge barriers in place stopping aspiring writers from getting their voice... Um, mm-hmm voices out, uh, sorry, I'm just going off here the screen there, sorry. and more importantly, words heard from the people that matter. Mm. I mean, yeah, that's the problem. I mean, they all say... I think the problem is that there are too many of us uh, trying to do all this. And too little, too few slots. Too few slots, lots of production companies. I mean, in a way, both good and bad things, the fact that there are now hundreds of independent production companies and they can't mm. all say no unsolicited material. Um... You know, the, obviously, we've all heard of Talkback and Hattrick and Tiger Aspect. Mm. But there are, you know, 30, 40, 50 other production companies uh, that, that you can find mm. um, who, will, who will send. So I would say, you know, look harder um, and try to find people who will read your material. Yeah. I would also suggest doing an Edinburgh show, um, some live comedy um, you know it may be that it's right for you to make a youtube video you're doing an edinburgh show this year. i'm doing yeah, an edinburgh, edinburgh show James. yes oh hang on sorry you've asked for it now and i'm gonna get back <laughs> to practice um this is my Come this and is my see edinburgh show, yes, show yes, exactly yes, yes that's right. show. this is my show amongst tales. yes is on. you
1: thought you were going to get advice <laughs> about sitcoms but here we are plugging our yes shows. that's
0: right and for the benefit of the podcast i'm now waving the uh <laughs> the flyer in front of the camera um, Dave, you also at the Fringe? Oh, just for three days, doing like a ten-minute show. So I'm
1: doing only a mini plug of that. Okay. Obviously. But uh, yes. Yeah, so, so in fact, going back to the very first thing we discussed, I think what was what is good about uh, the BBC announcing twelve pilots, which is a nice big bold figure, and in what it I th- hopefully that does do, it will make those smaller production companies think, Ah, okay, economies of scale happening mm-hmm. here. We've got a chance now, and maybe they will start opening their doors a bit more. Obviously, as Jeff Says not the baby cows right. and the hat tricks and uh talk back, but but all these ones possibly rough cut uh, Asha Tala's mm. uh, company Brown Eyed Boy. Um, just thinking of the various lo- lots of companies that have w- have one show, yeah, so far. I don't know what's uh, I mean, so, go look, yeah. look
0: up stuff that's not just on now, but stuff that's on four, five, six, seven years ago that mm. you really liked. The odds are the producer of that show was still a producer, yeah, and uh, track them down. They're not hard, they're probably all on Twitter. Um, you could find their email address. You could email them and ask if you could send them the script. Um, for If you email a producer, don't email us because we're hopeless, but if you email a producer and say, "Would you could you read my script, it's actually quite an effort for them to say no to that. Mm. Um, so I would If be, you're nice about it yeah, and not if you're too nice, weird. Don't, don't be weird. Yeah, don't, don't send them um, body parts or anything. Yeah. Um, or pictures of. Um, so... <laughs> So yeah, it's it's pretty brutal. Let's not be honest about it. But mm. there is there is no way in. There is no in. There is there there is nothing to be in. Um, mm. We're all making it up as we go along. Um, in
1: America it's an industry yeah maybe less so now but uh, but uh, you know they but make, they have
0: lots of writers on they, fewer shows they have a
1: timetable they have yeah. uh, the pilot season uh, they decide from the pilot season what's going to be made they get uh, teams and crews they get 20 odd writer producers uh, They and they industrially uh, make from September to May they make the yeah. 20 24 episodes um, and then from uh, May to September they, they mm. back in the season of getting next year's ones ready and there's you know they have the economies of scale to do that we are 20 or 30 mm. blokes uh, <laughs> a few other people mm. actually but we're we're not an industry we're a cottage you know we're a crafts mm. we're the you know we're the, the writers guild don't we mean you <laughs> know it shows shows we're a very very small yeah. tiny community yeah
0: um, hopefully that's answered uh, some questions mike Arbour and gary dowdell sent something similar yeah. about gary says is there any point trying to write a sitcom if you've never had anything performed or produced previously well you might as well start with a sitcom as anything else but mm. in general though i would say sketches is a better way to start because they're mm-hmm. like little building blocks out of which you then make sitcoms so mm. uh, he says we've tried competitions like sitcom mission and even as far back as last laugh does that mean anything to you uh, but apart yes, from yeah. others thinking ours were funny not a sniff from the companies. Uh, from the companies. Or should we take heed from that and give up with this genre? Oh, never give up unless you do. Yeah, I mean, when it stops being fun. Yeah, I think so. When you know that it's it's not happening, but also Mm. when you're just sort of slightly, we've had enough. Mm. Um, We all write because we have to. None of us write for the money. Money is just something that you need in order to be able to write. Mm. Um, So yeah, the only reason I'm glad I get paid is not so that I'll have money is so that oh wow I get to be a writer for a few more months I've got
1: another month's (laughs) chance to be a writer still it really is that that really Mm. is it
0: um so I would um in a sense only you know whether you're wasting your time yeah um and um if if this is to the detriment of your personal relationships um I would consider it very carefully um Mm but equally if this is the only thing you've ever wanted to do and write sitcoms then, then, then do that
1: yeah. I did always have this idea I don't know why I had it but I did I just thought I uh, I can't start writing sitcom until I reach my mid-30s because I don't think I'll have done enough interesting stuff mm. in my life and, that, and so I didn't I was to stand up for years and then I got to my mid-30s I thought oh I'm going to start writing sitcom now um, and then I thought god why didn't I do this 10 years earlier what an idiot mm. um, but, but uh, I think maybe that was a the, the right thing so uh, there was just one other thing that Gary uh, asked there uh, oh sorry missed, yes uh, uh, Gary asked you a quickly. question
0: about he said um, you should tell oh. people about reading well, why don't I
1: tell more people about my uh, that wasn't Gary oh that might oh, have yeah. been Gary that might yeah. have been yes, was uh, Johnny Addy actually was originally oh. asked that question. Okay. but he's
0: saying Dave why I don't, don't you talk I'm more about off. your script reading services You mean £24 me? for feedback on the first 10 pages read it's a bargain oh well thank you that you should mention that actually uh, <laughs> not, not
1: that I'm plugging it or anything but uh, no, I've, Well, I've just sort of set up this new uh, website, or not really a website, it's just a, where all my blogs are going to go and where various sort of teaching things go. But I, I thought of doing this thing, first 10 pages, 24 hours uh, turnaround, assuming I can do that and not too... Tied up with something else, um, and it's it's all on my uh, WordPress site, which I can't even remember what it's called now. I should have. Well, if you, to, if you find
0: us on Facebook, Cohen, which you yeah. will
1: be able to do, yeah, or find me on Twitter at Cohen Dave, and you'll find on my uh, homepage there's a link to the WordPress site, yes. which ha- has a link to uh, yeah. that tells you all about that. And your first right.
0: ten pages expressly read, yes, um, uh, for for a very small fee. Right. Um, I think we should wrap this up. I think we've got away with it. There's a couple of <laughs> quick last questions. Uh, uh, one from Pete Gunstone. Hello, Pete. How you doing? Um, uh, up there in Durham. You
1: sound like a radio DJ. I, I, actually, Hi, I know, we got I know, Pete on the line. I, I know
0: yeah. Pete personally. He's oh, a, I right, see. Oh, okay. okay. Um, can sitcom respond effectively to current affairs? Uh, I think... Uh, Drop the Dead Donkey was obviously is obviously a key one that springs to mind. Actually, they wrote or, that as an office sitcom, yeah, and they left gaps so for top of the crowbar the jokes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas I Power
1: think, Monkeys, which they also wrote, was much more kind of related to yeah. uh, what's going on in in, yeah. in the news. And things. It so can be done, but
0: mm, the problem is yeah. trying to trump the current actual news. especially when it involves Trump is is very difficult I mean these days satire it's sort of the news kind of satirises itself it's
1: so hard it's so hard actually Michael
0: Hall says I'm really struggling with my sitcom it's my first go and I just can't decide who my characters are and how many I need should I just write a small scene just write small scene ideas and see what works
1: yes yes do what works do what you. works it's all I'm, I'm, and people talk about um writer's block which mm. i I don't really believe in myself, but I do think that um you just need to distract yourself, do something else. Yeah. take a character out take, take the character you're thinking about and get them to I don't know, go in the news agent and buy a newspaper
0: get them to go to the pub and get them, go, get them to go to Narnia or Wonderland Yeah. Um, um, get them to uh, have yeah. an argument with a brother or a sister or a, on or a, a spouse bus, on a late night bus Yeah. Um, um, in a kebab shop put in them a, in all these improvised situations yep. as it were And see see what they say, see if it's funny, see Mm. if there is a a worldview that they've got that might be interesting to hear from.
1: And there may be nothing. I'll just just write stream of consciousness stuff for five minutes um, and, uh, you know, just I'm sitting here and I can't think of anything to write and what am I going to write and just keep writing it and eventually something comes out and it may be rubbish and may never be used. There might be a little snippet in there Mm. that you go,
0: ah, that's what I've been trying to get to the core of, so... Try, um, try anything we're going to finish with this um which is quite funny because my friend matthew fisher has just joined uh, ah. this facebook live thing we're about to <laughs> we're about to finish sorry matthew um but john uh, paul lusk says fisher of procol harem uh no okay. a different matthew no. fisher okay. Okay. um i took your advice <laughs> from a podcast and sent a script to various producers and they got back to me wasn't as scary as i thought and they each picked out one good thing mm. they liked Possibly the way they're taught to respond, but it certainly helps and encourages you. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so yeah, it great. sounds like it feels like you're making progress. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's as much it's as important as making progress as actually yeah. it's, you've got to feel like you're getting somewhere. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And um, and that is very hard to do when you feel like a bit of a voice in the wilderness. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that's um,
0: fair enough. Find a writing partner mm-hmm. as well. That's another. Yeah, that helps. That thing. can help. It does help. Um, especially if you. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. hard to find. Some, don't talk someone into it but mm. if there is a natural fit there it is well worth yeah. um, ha- having someone who can either type or stare out the window <laughs> um, you know both. Very someone to laugh jokes. at your jokes yeah. or not laugh at them yeah no that is that's no small thing as well yes. I think we've got away with this
1: yes thank you very much all of you who tuned in and out over this yes. uh, 47 minutes and 58 seconds or as well, it's. Keeps going up. Thank yes, you very much. Thank you. Our Sitcom Geeks podcasts are still going uh, strong. Uh, www.comedy.co.uk. Monk's Tale is just flying uh, <laughs> through. It's here. on at the Gilded
0: Balloon from the 5th of August to the 23rd, and yeah. it's all about Martin Luther and the Reformation. Of course it is. Why would yeah. I not write a comedy? With jokes. With jokes, yes, and songs. It's James. Oh, and um, yes, songs so, as well. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's It's meant to be a comedy, and I think it is. Um, and we'll thanks very much. We might do this again, hopefully with more people watching. Yeah. I don't know whether Thursday <laughs> at four was a particularly good time, but who knows? Who knows? Well, we'll it's try, up there now you can watch We'll shoot. try eight yeah. o'clock on a Monday night yeah. one time yes. and then we'll try four AM on a yeah. bank holiday. That's um someone'll be up. Someone will be up. Yeah, yeah. That'll reach our American audience, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. A sad comedy writer no, audience. Yes, yes, that's right. Um, thank thanks you. very much thank um, email us at sitcomgeek no at I'm at sitcomgeek at cohen dave and oh, thanks very much at some point we'll work out patreon or some way of supporting this podcast mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we haven't done that yet, have we? Not quite. No. We so don't really want to do advertising. You don't want us to read nah. out adverts for yeah. for anything. Brought you? to you by a monk's tale. <laughs> exactly. We got enough of our own yes. stuff to haul. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so uh, we exactly. don't want Squarespace to have yeah. to compete with that. Right. Um, so uh, thanks very much for watching. Cheerio. Right. Bye bye. Bye bye.